Welcome to a new episode of the Cartridge Club, where we discuss our game of the month with members of the Cartridge Club community. It's Rocket Sauce here, and for the month of February, the Cartridge Club played 2022's Game of the Year, Elden Ring. Joining me on the show, we have Adam, aka Atomic Bomb 1980, Jay Howard 29, and Cardboard Tier. If you've played along, you can always share your own experiences in the forums at cartridgeclub.org, in our community's Discord, or across social media by using the hashtag Cartridge Club. Before I start the show, on behalf of the entire Cartridge Club community, I'd like to give a huge shout out to our Patreon Club backers like Jill Boyce, Barry Mars, Christopher Rohr, Dean Lasagna, and Caleb J. Ross. To our backers and Patreon supporters, thank you. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter for the Cartridge Club, please look at how you can do so at patreon.com forward slash cartridge club. you give us your overall thoughts on the game i really really enjoyed the game it's super big there's so much to do it's kind of similar to zelda breath of the wild where you can just have this big world that you can run around and do a bunch of things in it uh it it just is it my favorite souls game no but it's definitely very very high up there it's i yeah i put so many hours in this game like just my stream time alone if i were to go back to my vods like 84 hours almost just the streaming that's not counting all the additional time i did level grinding running around looking for different things that's just what i streamed and now i'm in new game plus <laughs> and i've been uh, teaming up with you and helping you get through some of those bosses a lot of time Overall, I think uh, as far as like thinking about it, I questioned it multiple times of last year of whether I felt that it was game of the year worthy. But when you think of when I kept thinking more and more about it, of all the games that came out last year, it didn't really have like a ton of competition. And I do think it's definitely worthy as being probably the best game that did come out last year. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, where do you start? <laughs> it's so deep. Um, the lore the uh world building just the enormity of it all uh, you know the the landmass that you have to traverse and in the underground on top of that it's enormous you know is it is it my favorite soil souls game close it might even be bloodborne would be the other one uh for me but uh you know i really did enjoy um a working game a working game at launch is pretty nice. I, you know, that's that's a refreshing. I think we can all agree it's a kind of a refreshing thing to have a, a working game day one. Uh, I don't even remember if there was a day one patch. There might have been, but uh, it wasn't very big. But yeah, it's it's uh, it was definitely my game of year. Got to work, came in late, uh, and gave, uh, in my mind, uh, Elden Ring a run for its money, but. Uh, it was still Elden Ring at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, I th- I thought it was fantastic. I don't have a ton of experience with uh, Souls games. I only partially played a few other ones, but I did uh, finish Elden Ring, which was great. 
and I, I loved it. Um, you know, I thought that it was a, uh, a great open world RPG. I think that at some points there were uh, parts of the world that felt like slightly empty. I mean, there were pretty, you know, large sections where there wasn't a ton. And then there was other sections where there was just a lot, you know, like really condensed areas with a, a ton of things to do, which I, I actually thought was a great contrast. I'm not even really saying that as a negative, you know, I think it gave the game a, a lot of depth and uh, yeah, as a kind of compare it to other RPGs, because I don't have a ton of Souls experience. And, um, you know, I thought it held up great as an open world RPG. I thought that the bosses were fun. You know, I had to look for the narrative a lot, because again, I'm not used to the Souls experience. Um, so, you know, I'm used to more explaining as you go. <laughs> you know, I'm used to, um, you know, the, the narrative kind of being fed to you a little bit more simply than it was in Elden Ring. So I kind of struggled to like, find the story at points but even when i struggled with finding the story i still really enjoyed the combat and the experience and the visuals and all that kind of stuff so i didn't really mind it so much because i enjoyed everything else i thought it was a great challenge and uh yeah i i really enjoyed it i'm gonna say something controversial here <laughs> i think it's an okay game uh I, it, you know I kept thinking this to myself as I'm playing. I mean, I've I've beaten Bloodborne, and I, I've played a little bit of Dark Souls 2. That one I haven't come back to, and I've tried uh, Sakuro, 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 um, and I, that one lost me right away because of the difficulty. But this one hasn't lost me yet. The only thing I, I keep thinking back with with these FromSoft games is, you know, the one thing I, I think about as a comparison, and it's not a game. This is just another thing where people absolutely love it or they hate it. It reminds me of IPA beers. People who love them, they're the best thing in the world. They like people can't they they it's like a clot exclusive club where people who drink them think they're the best thing you could ever possibly drink. <laughs> and if you don't like IPAs, you every one of them tastes like trash to you, right? And and I say this because I played, you know, I've I played a few of these games, and I, I really did like the world of Bloodborne, but man, there was like lots of frustration with that game. The difference is, I, I guess I prefer more of a linear game, and Eldering isn't that. This is very much you can go and do whatever you want, and I know everyone, some people like that freedom. Uh, Blood, Breath of the Wild had that where you can go anywhere you want, and sometimes you're in the wrong spot that you shouldn't be because you're too underpowered, but. I don't know. Maybe FromSoft games or these Soulsborne games aren't for me. I, I'm not hating when I'm playing with it, but there is definitely... I'll give an example. I'll give an example here. So when I started up this game, right, I, I picked my character. I, I watched a couple tutorials like, hey, people who have no experience, this is what you should do. And a lot of them recommended say, start with the Samurai because it's probably the best overall for new people uh, to play the game. So I start with the samurai, right? And uh, I've heard other people say, don't go to the south first, go north. It's a lot easier. Don't go to the south first, uh, first, you'll get destroyed. So I don't go south first. I go north and I get destroyed. So I I, I go, I do some things. Uh, I think I'm doing a little bit of progress right here. So I go to this part. I'm kind of stuck. I can't go further north at this point because everywhere, anytime I go further north, I get stuck. Something kills me. Uh, so I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't go here. So go northwest. 
and then I go in these mines, and these little uh, goblins kill me with their little sickle blades. So I'm like, ah, I don't know. This seems even harder. So I, I was like, I bet I, I shouldn't go there. I'll go east. And I go east, and I find these easy guys standing around a burning cross, right? People, and a dragon comes down and kills me instantly. I'm like, well, I probably shouldn't be here. I'll go a little bit further south. Okay, there's a lot of these easy guys. All right, cool. I can sneak around and kill them. I'm going to go down these stairs. All right, there's a treasure chest. I open the treasure chest. It warps me to another world. And what's it called? And everywhere there is shooting daggers at me. Everything. This one thing is like a porcupine shoots daggers. And I'm like, great. And I can't go back. I am completely stuck here in bone. Okay, then I got out of there. All right, I got out of there by just running out. And I found a tunnel. And then I get out of there. And everywhere outside of this world is poison. Everywhere is just pure poison. And I'm like, boy, well, good thing I found a, whatever, a safe point, a whatever, like, resting point, right? And then I I, uh, I, I rest. I, I, I just, I just had to open up, like, what am I, you know, what am I doing here? Like, like, what should you do in the first 10 minutes of Bloodborne? I open up, like, a YouTube video like that. Guy's got his horse going. He's got, like, a level four sword. And I'm like... He's like, oh, you don't even need to kill anything in these first 10 minutes. Just do this. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Well, uh, and uh, like, I, I, I kind of text message one of my friends who absolutely love this game. And he was telling me, he's like, oh, you're at this location. This is the one area you do not want to be in this game right now. Because literally everything will give you poison damage. And I'm like, great. He's like, you just have to run. You're just going to have to get out of there. If you see something, run. Do not waste your time. Just get out of there or you're going to die. And believe me, I died a lot. I eventually got out of there. And eventually I was able to do this guy's recommended 10, 15 minute starter point where I'm like, all right, cool. I can finally get my horse. I can finally get uh, a spell, a summon, and I can level up my sword. Cool. All right. Even after that, though, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to try to do some easy leveling up here. Nope, still getting still getting bone. I eventually then reach out to uh, Adam, and Adam's like, "Hey, do you want to do a? Maybe I can help you out here for a little bit. Uh, uh, I'll do a co-op with you." I'm like, "Great, let's do that." So uh, Adam's been great as a as a guide, helping me through what he's doing. One thing we learned though is it nerfs Adam in his uh, high level when you do a co-op. So if he's coming into my world, he's completely nerfed. He still has a lot of his powers, and I mean, maybe you find this. It's fun to hear, right? It's fun to hear. Not so much fun to play when you put like six to ten hours in of just this, just this, basically, and nothing, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. I just remember I, I did one thing, and I did a lot of that progress, and I forgot to level up my guy. So I lost all, like, my my orbs, where I could probably probably could have went up a few more levels. Um, that's, that's why now anytime I kind of look, anytime I get, like, a couple thousand orbs, I'm like, I think I should level up real quick. I think I should at least, even if it's just one level, I'm just going to do it just to be safe. So that's been my experience. And it, like I said, it's, it's made me think maybe this is an IPA for me because I'm not a fan of IPAs. I hate IPA beers. Uh, I'm more of a cream ale man my myself, but uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm liking what I'm playing, but I don't see, I don't see the love. Why, you know, why it gets so much love from the critics these days. Like I said, I'll give you some more examples right here. 
there's parts of this game and it looks like from when they've been coming out since the PS3 that they still look the same. Like the gameplay almost still looks the same, right? And it, it, it like seems like it hasn't really evolved so much from it. It almost at points looks like a PS2 game, right? And cardboard, you kind of mentioned like, yeah, this game is really very. Uh, what's the kind of word I'm looking for here? Where it doesn't, you know, it's it doesn't tell you anything, but like even like the narrative is very like you have to seek it out. You have to Bloodborne is very much the same exact way where you're in this this beautiful haunted world but like like and once you find the narrative like online and when people breaking it down it's an incredible lore but why are you hiding it you know like and maybe maybe there's more textbooks that you have to go through but why why would you do that why would you you know you have this beautiful wonderful story you hire for this game you hire george rr martin to build out this universe because he's credited as one of the guys and I've watched an interview him talk about it where they brought him in here because they said, Hey, we want to create some kind of universe that is very much a token esque. And I names off a couple other guys who have these wonderful fantasy worlds and they wanted them to help uh, expand and put some narrative and create into this universe that they had. So it's like, but why would you hide that? But all, it seems like all soul souls porn games do that. So, I, I don't know. Like I said, th- there are some beautiful cutscenes in this game, but then it cuts right back to, uh, I mean, if you ever talk with an uh, NPC in the game, it almost looks like a PS2 game where the people just are just there and they, they're re-talking re- to you. And I'm like, you know, this isn't charm to me. You know, I don't know. Some people might like this, but this isn't a charm. This very much is like, I understand that they probably put their focus on certain areas of the game, but they, I don't know. And maybe it's the Western gamer in me, you know, not the, uh, you know, I don't know the, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, a big fan of, of Japanese RPGs or anything like that uh, myself, but um, you know, I think, I think what a lot of people like about this game is it doesn't hold your hand at all. It just throws you out to the walls and say, you know, go about, do great things, but you're going to die a lot, <laughs> you know? And, uh, that's, to me, that's part of the charm. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you, if you, uh, use like uh, resource sites, um, such as Fextra life or anything like that, but they generally have a pretty good walkthrough on how to do stuff. My, my first experience with Elden ring was much very similar to yourself you know, where you go out, oh, look, a guy on a horse. Let's go, let's go attack him and just get smoked. You know, uh, <laughs> okay, I won't do that again. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I love the, I love the, um, the hidden, the hidden stuff. The lore, the lore isn't shoved down your throat. If you want to find it, it's right there in the items, it's right there in the NPCs, all, although it is hidden. You have to kind of put, put the pieces together. And if there's a, if there's a, uh, you know, a section that you just don't get, uh, you know, I always, I always go to like YouTube and, and, uh, watch Vadi videos, you know, lore videos. He's, it's fantastic you know, how he can, you know, pull like a, a lore string out of something so small. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, he's pretty impressive as far as, as far as his, uh, his, uh, lore, lore, I guess, uh, you know, interpretations. 
I'm going to drop another name that's also very impressive too. Is his name is Epic Name Bro. He streams as well, but he has started doing the lore for the Souls games early on to the point to where FromSoft had him help write a few of the walkthroughs. So he's been involved with From Software. So he d digs deep into the lore. I've watched his videos on YouTube for a long time before I ever realized he's actually a streamer too. But he would go through, find an item, and he would read through all of the dialogue and all of the text of each item. And then he would start piecing together the lore for you and telling you this story, this world. And I think the game doesn't give you a ton of cinematics because it's kind of like how we are now currently as a civilization. We are still just, when we go to Egypt or wherever we go, we are literally just piecing stuff together. I think that is maybe the idea is that you don't know until you start piecing stuff together and that's maybe the joy you might like cardboard jay you might interpret something differently in the text than what i would so i might believe something different than what you believe until we start piecing things together and be like wait no be no maybe you're right i see where you get that idea so i think that is kind of the the, the point of the souls games because it's in that in all of the souls games yeah, I think I think that's a pretty good point. So something I I kind of thought of uh, that, I don't know most of the way through the game. So also uh, when I played, I played as a a mage just because I had very limited um, souls experience. But all of it that I've seen has always been melee combat. So I I started the game and I was like, oh, magic sounds like a lot of fun, and it completely changes the way you play the game. First off, I've watched people that are like me that are unfamiliar with souls games and that are playing melee and it's like a totally different experience so that's that's one thing another thing i play games completely blind um i streamed all of elden ring i streamed like i say all of it i there was a couple of bosses i didn't find and a, a decent bit of like late game stuff i didn't do because i try to do everything as blind as possible i didn't look at any lore videos i avoided streams which was very difficult to do for a long time with elden ring um but, you know, so there was a, a lot of things that I, um, a lot of things that I missed, but I tried to be as thorough as possible. I streamed like 150 hours of it. So anyway, um, I feel like when they're, when they're telling the narrative and Atomic, I, I think that what you said kind of makes a lot of sense too in this scope. Um, the characters that are talking to the main character, it's not like they're talking to us, the players. They're talking to that, that person in the game that has lived in this world if that makes sense. Like, I feel like a lot of RPGs, they're talking to talking to Cardboard or Jay or Sauce or Atomic, and they're explaining, you know, what's happening or they're telling a story. A lot of the NPCs in Elden Ring, it's like they're talking to the Tarnished that has lived in this world, that's from this world that already has like a lot of background knowledge. And you kind of have to like dig and find that background knowledge as you go. And it's not easy to do um, if you're kind of unfamiliar with how they tell the stories. Um, so anyway, I think that's, uh, uh, you know, just a... like cardboard. I, I, I streamed probably a hundred north of 150 hours of, of Elden Ring and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just, just trying to stay away. I like you, I went through it blind. Uh, I've talked with a friend and, you know, we'd go through it kind of in similar pace and we'd discuss what, you know, what we did, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, 
it was crazy how much Elden Ring content there was. I mean, it was so big that Dr. Disrespect was streaming Elden Ring and, you know, it's tough to, it was tough to like, uh, you know, not watch his streams because he was just mind blown by, by this world and, and all the things you could do. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I wanted to, I tried to get through it blind as blind as I could as well. So Jay, something you mentioned that you said was pretty incredible that there was no, you don't think there was a day one patch. I do remember some of the next gen consoles like your PS5 and Xbox didn't quite run the best on the first. And it was recommended that the best version on launch was PS4. That I, I that's one thing I clearly remember that people were saying, if you're gonna play it, play the if you're gonna play on PS5, run the PS4 version at the at launch because it just it runs the smoothest out of all versions. But you're right, that's kind of like one of the things about from soft games, like unless you're playing on a very high-end PC, it's almost, I, I I think I even remember, like, uh, I mean, Bloodborne, I think, runs at 30 frames per second, and people are still, like, begging, begging for a 60 frames version to come out. Um, I, I have, sus you know, suspicions, um, suspicions is the word I'm looking for. I have suspicions uh, that there's going to be a remaster at some point of that game. But, yeah, it's kind of known that, like, with... I always call it Soccer Hero, but Sekiro, uh, there's always kind of a Sakuro that on launch it was, it ran, I think it ran terrible on like PS4 and Xbox One. And eventually, I think it got a, I think it got a next gen where they unlocked the frame rate. So like it just runs smooth, like at 60 frames per second. If you play it on the next gen consoles, it's just kind of like, it's like, how Bethesda games are almost always known for being super buggy at launch. And then you give it time and it gets patched and then you got a, a playable game. Yeah, I remember now you mentioned that I remember that, but I never experienced anything negative on my copy. I mean, it was, I mean, from the time I put it in and I was, that was like an hour after launch, you know, I ran smooth for me. I didn't run into any glitches or anything, uh, any performance issues. I thought it was, that was pretty smooth. Same. I, I didn't have any issues, but I also bought the PS4 version and I um, played the, that on my PS4 Pro, and that's what I played through. I had no problems. I don't even recall the game crashing. Maybe, maybe it did. I don't remember, but I don't recall any issues like at all. No bugs, no freezing, nothing. I remember hearing people playing it on Steam right at launch that had issues. Um, I, I remember um, a few people that. Um, played it on PC right at launch that that had some issues but I think it was fixed pretty pretty quickly you know what's pretty yeah. interesting it's like there's I think it's only been like two patches for for this too and by that if you look at and I'm saying this because I know when I launched the PS5 version I think it's like 1.0.8 is the version I think there was only like 1.0.7 and then 1.0.8 for patches and then it's still like the same game basically because I like I keep seeing people I mean, you, you search up like how to's right now on an Elder Ring. At least I have been like, hey, what are some good pointers kind of thing? So I could keep getting all these like recommended watches now that are like quick way to get a million orbs or something like that within the first beginning part of the game. Uh, and like it was put up two days ago. So like, like this game hasn't been patched to take away glitches that people have found to manipulate the orbs so you can, can do stuff. So 
I, like I said, I don't think they plan. It's not like one game is like build that, you know, 3.0 or 2.0 that games constantly, they are constantly getting patched for little things here and there. Um, it's pretty much, I think, a done game until that um, uh, newly announced DLC just got announced today comes out. Um, did anyone say anything? Did they ever say when that's coming out? Was it this year or just announced that it's coming out, right? No. So, like, uh, uh, their their mech game will be up before before this pat or before this DLC comes out. It's what I'm hearing. So is I didn't hear anything about the mech game. Are they just remastering the old game that they the from? So are they doing a completely new? I think no, it's, oh, it's a game, it's right? a new Armored Core game. Yeah, yeah, new Armored new. Core. Mm-hmm. They did an older one back in back on the, like the PlayStation Three. They did one Xbox. I think original Xbox, right? I think it's like the so, it's like one of their first games. Too. So it it it, it goes all clear back to P- PS One. Uh, Armored Core is Armored Core is kind of like their it's kind of like their passion project, I think, more than anything. Uh, they're known for their Souls games, but they put out tons of Armored Core titles. I think, what are they on, like six or seven right now? I think the Yeah, new but I don't, I don't think FromSoft did all of them. I don't think FromSoft did all the Armored Core games. And I think, in, in honestly, Demon Souls was the biggest like Souls game that came out. That was like the first thing, but they actually had a franchise prior to that that was a more kind of sort of their kickstarter of souls and it was called kingsfield and there were four of those those that was really their first actual souls ish game before doing demon souls but they have done a few jrpgs too i have a game called lost kingdoms one and two on the gamecube that from software did and that's like a card-based turn-based jrpg and that was also theirs you know, one thing else about, like, uh, and I, I remember this going back to Demon Souls on the PS3 when I was kind of coming out. Um, and I just want to know if you guys kind of agree with this. I just remember the discussion kind of was, hey, this is something different. It reminds me a lot of an NES game. By that, I mean the NES difficulty being just brutal. I heard that, and I heard, like, Zelda. And by that, not by, like, the 3D Zeldas more along the line of like the NES Zeldas was the more the bigger comparison for this game. Um, at least the original one with Demon Souls, but I know it's kind of carried forward with the Dark Souls franchises as well. Would you agree that's a good comparison for this? I would say yes, actually, because you think about going back and playing like um Oracle of Age, Ages and Seasons, neither of those games held your hand or told you where to go. That's very similar to what you get out of dark, uh, the, the Souls games. Here's a big world. You go in through these areas, you find these weapons, and you take down a boss. That's what Zelda is known for. So I see the big comparisons in Zelda a lot. Even when I'm streaming, if I can't find anyone playing the Zelda game that I'm playing, I will raid into a Souls game. Or vice versa. If I'm playing a Souls game and I see someone playing a Zelda game that I think is probably closer to a Souls game, I will raid into it if I don't find anyone new. Like I, I kind of go put those games hand in hand. I'm not saying they're exactly the same. I think they're influenced by each other. Especially, I think uh, Dark Souls One I think is influenced by Twilight Princess. Especially when you've got the Wolf Link. One of the bosses you fight is a wolf with a sword. <laughs> like. 
I, I think they even said, like, I think I saw, I and mean, this is a Mighty Key video. I think one of them actually looks like Ganon from Ocarina of Time. And it's an Elden Ring. He's got, like, the two blades. I think even, like, the pig nose. I, I would have to look it up. Granted, there <laughs> is, after looking at that, what's, what's the website that you talked about, Jay? Because uh, I looked at that, and you saw the boss list, that they're, like, the optional boss list in the game. Yeah, so, like, I mean, Elden Ring has over a hundred bosses in the world. I mean, it, and the, the resources fixed your life. Yeah. So I don't think I've seen that one yet, but I saw it at least in the uh, mighty key video talking about Elden ring, which this will bring me to a certain point though, for all the bosses though, I do appreciate that the, all, all the bosses are there, but how many, but a lot of those bosses are also recycled bosses. You had already fought. That is one of my gripes I would have with this game, I guess, because I'm like, I've fought like the same boss multiple times. He might have like a slight change in his name, but it's the same exact boss. So, I think... yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, that's what's one of my gripes, too, is actually the reuse of of, you know, resources and stuff like that in a in in a game like that. But uh, another one of my gripes was, you know, you go from, you know, Bloodborne, uh, where you have a lot of like trick weapons to secure where you have none and then you go to elden ring and you only have like maybe a couple so i, I really liked the the trick weapons in bloodborne i don't know if if you guys enjoyed using those but uh you know i wish i wish elden ring had something similar to that by, uh, by trick weapons do you mean like the advantage where you can turn one weapon into the other as an example you'll have an axe but if you press like r1 it turns into a much longer extended axe where it's longer it's it's like it's not it's with a shorter axe it's got a quicker you know hack right but it's got right. less power but when you turn into an extended axe it does more damage but it takes longer to swing right you got it yep okay. where you can where you can have a you know i don't you can have diversity in your in your combos and how sure. you how you approach, uh, you know it's kind of glad I'm kind of glad that my my uh, bleed build is still legit. It's been legit since day one. <laughs> bleed build strong. <laughs> well, once you how about we all talk about it? it's a good I guess a good transition here. How do you build your guys? Like, well, first off, what class did you start off with, and then like. Because there's many different ways, and I think I've read to it at, at later on. It doesn't quite matter how you how you do it. I know there's probably a like superior build for a samurai or something like that. Because believe me, I've seen the videos recommended tips for building a samurai, but I've also read it doesn't matter after a certain point in time. You can play it any way you want to. But for the sake of discussion here, what was your class that you started with, and how did you build them out? I started with I I punish myself in the Souls games. I never <laughs> use magic and I always just use a great sword and a lot of times I don't even wear armor. I just go in because the quicker I can dodge, I'd rather quickly dodge attacks than having this heavy armor on that feels like I'm a, a sack of rocks tipping over and trying to dodge because I'm still going to take the hit. If I'm slow, I'm going to take that hit. I'd rather be able to quickly get away and not take a hit whatsoever and time their swings and dodge in between. I started getting really, really good at that. 
And I also don't wear armor because you're quicker too and your stamina jumps back up the second you stop. But like if you're like going to a boss or trying to get through some areas, you can just quickly like weave in around different enemies if you don't if you already fought them like a hundred thousand times trying to get to the boss and you just want to get back to the boss, you could just quickly get around without any of the armor. But you have to take the hit of you know, you're gonna take a lot more damage. But yeah, I start with night, and you were saying that it doesn't matter later on. I would say for the most part, you are correct. It's because you can build your character the way you want to build your character and to, to fit your play style. So if you want more strength, you want more vitality, you want more, that's where it doesn't matter because when you pick your class, a few of those stats are just skewed back and forth, but you build it how you want and what you find is the most important. So later on in the game, all those original stats don't matter. Because you're building to what's been working for you. Yeah, I, I agree with Atomic there. Um, you know, your starting class doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things. In that, you know, you're going to build it to how you want to how you want to build it later in the game. Uh, for me, it was after my after my f first run. I was like, oh, I kind of like Rivers of Blood. So I think I'm going to build, I think I'm going to gear my, my, my build towards that bleed, that agility um, and endurance. And like Atomic, no one likes a fat roller. Uh, no one wants to fat roll. Okay. So as you just look, you just plop on the ground and you slowly roll over. And yeah, that's just, I mean, if, if you're, if you're looking to be like a, if you're looking to be a good parry, a parry build then maybe maybe you go high in like armor but i mean i'm with i'm with atomic there you know you, you want to be able to get in and get out yeah the the heavy roll is just so hard to watch it's so slow <laughs> um so yeah i uh i'd like to play the mini game of fashion souls inside elden ring um i loved all the different armor sets and i loved like just every like couple hours i'd be like eh, i want to i want to look a little different so i i was always changing my armor and stuff like that you know and i didn't even really realize this until like a good chunk of the game and how little armor matters like it, it's so different uh you know comparing the weapons to armor like obviously the the weapon you choose changes your game style completely the armor like barely <laughs> barely matters for like actually surviving and fighting these bosses you know so I just, I try to stick to the medium, you know, there's a light, medium and heavy. I try to stick to the medium role. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it worked pretty well for my play style, but um, I started as the astrologer, I, I think. And like I said, I'd stayed pretty mage heavy the entire way through. Um, there was a, uh, a, so pretty early on, um, I did the order, I did the game uh, in the wrong order to start off with, like, <laughs> pretty uh pretty heavily like i was definitely going to the wrong places but because i was playing as a mage like it was kind of okay just having like a high amount of range in that game completely changes things you know it kind of trivializes some things and does make some things harder i mean there were some bosses that i heard people most people one shot that i struggled with because they're really resistant to magic and most people with their great swords were able to like three shot them <laughs> you know so it, it definitely it definitely does change the experience a lot you know for the first good bit of the game i also was basically just going around 
where to find new spells and i didn't know so i played like the first like 20 or 30 hours with literally just two spells <laughs> and it was like i was kind of like are there more than two spells in this game and it turns out there are hundreds i was just going the you know i was not going to the right places um there was even a boss fight that i died to a few times and then left and i found out if i would have just killed that boss and walked in it's like where you find like the first mage lady and she had like a ton of them <laughs> and i'm just like i turned around and didn't go back for like another 10 hours so yeah yeah i i enjoyed uh i enjoyed the astrologer i went pretty heavy intelligence um and then i realized that dexterity also increased the speed of spells so i started to throw a little bit of dexterity in there and then about halfway through the game or so i found a couple of intelligence scaling melee weapons and that totally changed the way i started playing so um also being full range the entire time in that game i started to feel i mean i, I don't it makes things like really repetitive you know because sometimes you're killing bosses before you even really have a chance to see their kit which sounds mm -hmm. oh look at how strong I am. but it's it's 100 percent true or you know they just they interact the same way a lot of times when you're playing a range character so i was kind of wanting to try something a little bit more melee heavy but i was really enjoying the character so once i found intelligence scaring scaling melee weapons i was like oh this is awesome so i started carrying like a staff and a sword and uh it kind of changed changed the way i played uh for sure i think that's pretty interesting too you know you can find a weapon that you like you might like the look of it or it might sound cool and you might try it and it'll completely change the way you're playing you know it, it will completely change your play style and uh you know i thought i thought that was really cool that um you know there was all this variety <laughs> and i would just find a weapon that completely changed the way i you know i played it this way for 50 hours and then i found this really cool intelligence katana um and it you know completely changed the way i played so, so did you stick with the whole still magic astrologer build the whole way through where at the I end did. you still don't think that okay yeah, I'm just generally I, curious I because uh, shout out the Cartridge Club's been playing Souls games since season one. I believe in the first season they did Dark Souls 2 because it came out like right then, and the bros who are the hosts uh, love loved the games. So, I mean, we've played Bloodborne on here as well, too. Uh, I, I always hear it and rings in the back of my head. So, so shout out to Mark, aka Cartridge Bros P2. Uh, he always says, and I remember the main reason why he could not get in the Bloodborne was because there was no sword and board option that was his that's his go-to way of playing those games he says i want swords and boards that's it so i actually i actually really did like bloodborne it just i definitely needed uh some hand holding in that in the fact that i needed to be showed what to do what i was not doing right i eventually was able to learn the stun with the gun i got very good at like even stunning and like you know i guess wherever the devastation move that goes and you kind of rip out a good chunk of their health um, I got really good at really good at that in Bloodborne. I really wish, and if I'm wrong, please tell me. But I, I really wish there was, and I know because I didn't see any guns options in it at all. If there was like a, if there was a way to play this game like Bloodborne, I I probably would have done that as my build. That I would have loved to have the stun gun option and like an attack weapon for my right hand. Uh, I say that because I tried the boards and swords that don't work for me i don't know i mean i've tried the parry i it worked great in the the tour tutorial when i'm going against like brainless dead zombies right i'm like all right this isn't until bad okay you know I, I you know but swords and boards don't work for me where 
I, I started my build off as a samurai and I eventually found out I originally was trying to, after talking with one buddy, he was telling me, man, get, get two swords and just go in there like a tank, just go in there with like two swords attacking. And I, I found the path. I found me a second sword in some cave and I got the hell out of there. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna rock two swords in here. Doesn't work so well for me. I eventually found out you're better off, you know, with your stronger sword, probably just one sword, you know, double handing that one sword and it does more damage. And, and since then, I've been playing that way. And I, I, I kind of agree with that, that, that at least for me at this point, having one sword that's like a four, level four and then having a sword that's like a level one in the other hand ain't working at the time. I know you guys mentioned it, but like, how did you continue out your build? Like, Jay, how did you continue out your build? What, you said you were mentioning you did a bleed build, right? Yeah, so I did a bleed build. I've got Millennia's uh, sword in my left and then the Rivers of Blood in my right. I I am a two sword guy. You know, I go in there and I strike in, I strike a couple of times, maybe do a couple of combos and then I bounce out. Um, that's generally that's generally my play style. I couldn't I couldn't do a magic build just because you know you're you're flinging a couple spells and then you're just kind of kiting them around the room, you know. It's it's like, yeah, I, that doesn't that doesn't uh seem too exciting and i've i've seen too many uh, youtube videos where they just one shot a boss after the, they take 15 minutes of buffs and everything like that it's like eh, i don't want to do that so the harry uh, potter build yeah but no i i i did a when i when i built um, my character i focused on three maybe four stats and uh, i went into it originally a thinking I was going to be a strength build, you know, just kind of ug, bash, bad boy, you know, and then win. And that worked fine for a while, but uh, I kind of like Atomic's play style, you know, l where less armor is better. So I went with the dexterity, agility, bleed build. And uh, I didn't know at the time that that was probably the <laughs> one of the more overpowered builds in the, in the game. And, you know, I, every time I watch the watch a PVP, it's like, oh, they're they're bashing on the bleed builds. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's where I went, and I, that's where I stayed. Yeah, when you when you play through the game blind and you stumble upon something that's really strong, people will still give you crap about it, and you're like, I didn't look up like the strongest build. I just thought this would be fun. Sorry, it's really good, but. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> I'm having a good time. Yeah. yeah. Well, for the longest time I was, I was rocking uh, Radon's, you know, knives. I guess they're, they're daggers. They're like two great swords uh, Those look sick. in the game. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. Going back to like fashion, fashion souls, you know, I, I that was probably one of the coolest uh, weapons I had, but, um, and I used them for quite a while, but it, I went to Katana's and went to the bleed build because it, to me, it was just too, it was just chewing up bosses super fast. Yeah, I, I will say early on, um, eventually I got better at dodging, but not being super familiar with Souls games and starting it as a range character, I was terrible at dodge, at dodge rolling, which is like probably the most important part of the Souls experience. So I actually, you mentioned shields earlier. I used a shield for like, a lot of the game especially earlier on once i got better at at dodging but um i i tended you know to use it a little bit less into the staff and sword but for a while i did staff and shield and that really started as soon as i found a shield that had a hundred percent physical negation 
um i i used it a lot and i mean there were i i would literally on bosses there would be certain combos where i knew there was a high chance that i was going to screw up the dodge roll so i would just block it and i did that for the first several bosses and it worked it was fine i mean there was certain attacks i knew i could dodge and then i knew if there was a high chance i was gonna miss the roll i would just i would dodge it i take the you know the pretty big stamina hit but i would just back up and continue casting spells so the the shield I, I you know i think combos with the staff really well and it it you know it kind of covered my my handicap for not being able to dodge roll for like a lot of the game <laughs> and uh yeah i you know i enjoyed it it was it was fun <laughs> i've never way. i've never been good at parrying you know that was Pairing was always tough. Yeah, pairing is hard. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really parry. I wouldn't really time it very well. I would literally just hold the the block button for like a full two seconds before the attack came out. No shame. I'm like, well, I 100 physical negation. I took no HP. Uh, no problem. <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to parrying Sekiro, I actually was pretty good at block, uh, like parrying in Sekiro. It was Sekiro. it's the only Souls game so I can parry in. I cannot parry in any of the others. So, Bloodborne, <laughs> Bloodborne, I was really good at parrying, but I couldn't. I couldn't, I couldn't do, do everything. <laughs> yeah, parrying in Elden Ring is is hard. It is not easy. But like my build is based off my previous experiences with like Dark Souls and Demon Souls. Unfortunately, there was no real great sword in Demon Souls that was more so brought into Dark Souls. So in Demon Souls, I was more like sword shield, like like Link basically. And then I kind of still will use that in Dark Souls depending on the boss. If the boss is attacking quickly and I need to attack quickly back. I will switch from my great sword to a regular to a, another sword just on the fly, just if I need to. But one of the things I loved about the great sword is I will use my great sword and the shield. I like to block if I because I dodge roll a lot and I make sure I can dodge quickly. But if a hit's coming and I know I can't move that, like like cardboard says, he you know you can't get off that and you're gonna take that hit either way, then block. Just hold and block. Take that you'll you'll take a little stamina hit, you might lose it a little bit of health but it's worth it than trying to like dodge roll and take the big hit but one of the things i loved about the great sword is i can also switch out my thing and i can throw the shield on my back and then with the great sword like the zweihander or something you can just hold you can block and hold with the sword you take a little bit more damage than you would if you use the shield but you can still fight that way and still survive i think bosses might be a good discussion if you guys have any ones that you guys remember that stand out to you guys, like, I, I don't have many. <laughs> I literally have like two. And what's it called? <laughs> so, so I'm gonna rely on you guys right here. Like, I can either talk about Godric myself, uh, or uh, the guy who was before him that you fight on the bridge. I can't remember what his name was. Margot. Margot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could, I could talk about Margot because I did him by myself and I was proud of how I did him. So. Nice. <laughs> I'll talk, I'll talk about, Normally... I'll talk, I'll talk about Margot. Normally, uh, Margot's like the gatekeeper. It was for a lot of people. He was the gatekeeper of, of the of the game. I mean, people either got past him and continued on, or you know, threw their hands up and in, in frustration and threw the disc out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I, when the game came out, I saw a lot of streamers stuck on that fight for a very, very long time. It was it was entertaining and definitely a challenging fight. Yeah, it's just definitely a challenging fight. I think my favorite fight in this game 
and I want to say probably even out of all the souls is the one and only millennia. That fight is, I think one of the most fair fights, one of the most challenging fights and one of the most rewarding fights when you actually defeat her because she's challenging. I fought some bosses that were just, you know, the hitboxes seemed a bit weird or a bit off. Her fight seemed completely, completely fair. She tore you apart, but you had to defend yourself. But she was probably one of my favorite fights. Jay, you disagree? Fair. <laughs> fair. Healing you. Healing every time she hits you. That's, wow. No, uh... She is my favorite. She's my most memorable fight, but not because she was fair. I, I thought that you know after fifty times of of uh you know dying on the first phase, <laughs> I tried to do it myself. I you know I I couldn't you know I get her down and then all of a sudden she lay a hit and heal like a quarter of her of her health bar and it's like yeah I don't I don't know uh but it was she was my favorite fight. And definitely the most rewarding. Uh, I agree with you as far as uh, reward goes in the Soul series because, I mean, it felt like you were beating your head against a brick wall uh, when when fighting her. I'm, I'm not kidding you. It took me 50 times just to get past the first the first health bar, and, and then it took me another 30 times, probably the second phase. You know, it was it it was a tough fight for me, but I. Uh, I definitely threw my hands up and triumphed when I did get her finally. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is I tried to fight every single boss by myself and I did most of them by myself. But when I got to her, I got to a point to where I literally actually summoned in co-op to actually beat her my first time, just because she was that hard. And I say fair and you, yeah, she does do that to you. It's kind of like, is it fair that you cast Scarlet Rot on her then? In a sense, it's the same. I think it goes hand in hand because it's almost like you're basically fighting another like player. That's why I say it's fair because it's hand in hand and she's gonna tear you apart, but you gotta defend yourself. So uh I, I didn't I didn't uh summon help for her uh because when you do, you're basically giving her free hit points. <laughs> the computer the computer uh helper is just basically um a health a health port a health point pool for her because they never he never uh he or she never you know dodges never blocks and and it, she's just getting free hit points off, no, off no, of no, that, no. Computer. That, that that wasn't the help i'm talking about i summoned in co-op players like other actual players oh oh okay I, I players. okay I, I avoided bringing in any other like random people to join me and play until I got to that fight. And then I fought her so many times and I'm just like, I, I just want to beat her because I want to move on. But I do promise I want to go back and fight her like, like without it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I know like I was using like the summons and she was getting free health. <laughs> ridiculous. So I'm just like, no, I'm bringing in like, I brought in two other actual players and <laughs> we downed it. But she's actually hard to co-op too. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're trying, if you're the one helping, because I decided to, I wanted to get good at that fight. So I went in to try to help other people. But the problem is, is a lot of times when you help other people, you don't communicate. And right. a lot of times the host tries to be the main one hitting. Right. 
the second the host dies, you're out. You're done. Exactly. So yeah. it's almost like back off, let the help do most of the work, finish her off if you need to. We're here to help you, but don't jump in there and die in two seconds when we just came in <laughs> to help you. <laughs> you know, and another another uh, boss that I really liked was Malaketh. Oh, Malaketh oh, is yeah. super Ma- awesome. Malaketh yeah. was super cool. Yeah, yeah, that was probably that was that was a close second for me. And yeah. another one, uh, another one I want to throw up there too. And actually, uh, Sauce and I just fought Loretta. That is probably she is she has become one of my nemesis fights because trying to fight her, bouncing around on the horse and constantly throwing magic at you. She is a very, very difficult. <laughs> She's a little easier the first time you fight her. The second time you fight her, she is going to wreck your face repeatedly. She, yeah, she has one of my favorite attacks. That magic bow, isn't that? Isn't that Loretta? Oh, yeah, that destroys you. <laughs> it's it looks so cool. I remember being so excited when I got that because it's an intelligence scaling range spell, and I was like, "Man, I'm going to use the hell out of this." I didn't really use it that much because I had other things that did more damage, but it looked, I still used it like a little bit for like fight openers because I just thought it looked so cool. I was like, man, that is such a badass spell. Um, I remember the, the Rikard, the Rikard fight a lot. It's, it's kind of turned into one of my favorite memes together. I just love it so much. <laughs> and I loved, I loved the look of that fight. The, you know, um, it was, it was great. The Rikard fight, it, I think every Souls game has like a gimmick fight. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, for Demon Souls, it was the flying manta ray, you know, and, uh, you know, I think I think uh, Elden Ring, the Rikard was, I remember that fight, and it was pretty, I, I went in there without the without the required piece of equipment, and I'm, I was getting deep in the fight. I almost, I almost beat him without, without the, the spell or whatever i was so frustrated <laughs> i did the same thing um and also when i i did eventually use that required piece of equipment um it doesn't scale with intelligence spoiler alert so it was not the easiest mage fight um <laughs> it took me like a little while and then i found out that's one that normally people a, a lot of people have breezed through um and uh, yeah, I, I did not. That was not a breeze through for me. <laughs> nothing, nothing about the gimmick spell, uh, scales with a mage build. So I ended up actually using a piece of advice from chat, which I like almost never did in that game. But they told me to just go and upgrade that piece of equipment several times. And after I did that, it was much easier. It like doubled the amount of damage it did. Um, so that's kind of how I how I got through it. But uh, but I you know the the cutscene in the middle of that fight. I, you know, even like the end, uh, it, I, you know, it was very memorable for me. I was just like in awe. I was like, this is so badass. <laughs> I, I liked it. Uh, I liked it a lot. What about the, what about, do we think about the Radigan fight? That fight was really awesome. And I think it was, <laughs> Radigan, yeah, I found an article cool. that Radigan was listed as the best memorable fight, which I can see that, but I still disagree. And I think Millennia is probably the most memorable I mean, fight. But, I mean, the <laughs> fighting area is like the size of an entire zone. Like it's so it's so grandiose. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely memorable. I could see why it's it's ranked up there. I, I don't know if it's you know that high for me. I mean, it's it's definitely up there. It was a lot of fun. It was very memorable. But 
Yeah. Him many... riding that ridiculous little tiny horse. <laughs> and then whenever he gets to the next phase, he goes up into the sky and comes down like all like superhero style and just crashes down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, how many times did you die from that bow just running up to the fight? Uh, probably <laughs> 10 times, right? Yeah, he was cool. I also like the um the Astol, the natural born fight. I thought I, I thought that one was a lot of fun. Again, real big, majestic looking enemy. You know, I just I, I remember that one a lot. I thought it was really cool. I also used the Astol, I forget the name of it, but um that boss is what the Astol uh blade. It has like a it's a ranged melee attack. Um its heavy attack is like a ranged melee, it's intelligence scaling. I use that weapon a lot. <laughs> so that's maybe why I remember a little bit more, but yeah. That, that was a lot of fun, the natural born fight. What would you say is your least favorite fight? Not necessarily because of difficulty, just by just the, maybe even just the mechanics or whatever. For me, it would be, I would say, it would be the fire giant. I hated that fight because there were so many times that it felt like clipping was off. This is where I was talking about clipping and hitboxes. Because there are times where like he would like move like that, that big cylinder thing that he would hit. And like go through and there are times I could roll through it, but then there's other times it would hit me. So it felt like that fight was just very, very off. I think if they do more patches, they need to kind of fix a little bit of that fight. But it was also just not fun to, to play against the fire giant. And again, I got to the point where I was just like, screw this, brought in more co-op actual players, beat them and moved on. There's only a few bosses in the entire game that I actually brought in other players against. He was one of the others just because I kept getting frustrated on just how weirdly that fight was. Um, Cardboard, you did range. So for you, if you fought the fire giant, probably wasn't as difficult. But for me, just I had run, to run away and cast spells. What's the problem? But I, <laughs> I was up close and personal running around under the legs. Like all I seen like, with camera angles and all I see on my big screen was like a leg. Like it was just, it was so much harder to fight my play style with. Yeah. Oh yeah. I could, I could see that for sure. Yeah. From a, yeah. From a melee perspective, uh, I really didn't have a problem fighting him, but the camera was, was the killer on that one uh, yeah. for me, just because you didn't know where, where he was looking, where he's going. You couldn't, you couldn't, you were just so disoriented with everything. Uh, my, my most, I, the fight I didn't like the most was probably Renala. It was so easy. It, to me, it just seemed like we really didn't even need to fight her. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was more of a, just a, just another boss, you know, they just, Hey, we're going to have you fight her, but, uh, she's not going to be terribly hard. Um, the, I think I got the fire giant down in three attempts. And Renala took me probably 15, the one that you just mentioned, because she's a mage and she is hella resistant to spells. And the second phase like got me several times. It was not, it was not really <laughs> that easy taking down the queen of magic um, using spells. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. Uh, that your yeah. build, your build might make you a little more susceptible to her. Yeah, it was it was much uh, it was much harder to fight her as an intelligent build. So I did a partial second playthrough of Elden Ring um, as a like full strength, a little bit of faith, and I 
probably haven't got halfway through, but I did get through Renala and I one shot it as a, as a strength build. I mean, it was, so I, I definitely see what you mean, but as a first playthrough, uh, full intelligence, she, you know, it was not, it was not that easy. <laughs> She's a boss that, yeah, you definitely just getting toe to toe with her and smacking her with a sword is a hundred percent the way to go. Like staying way back her, all of her spells were harder to dodge. Like I said, she doesn't take that much magic damage. All of her summons were really hard for me to deal with. Like the five wolves as a squishy mage with all range was not that easy, you know? So it was, it was a, you know, kind of a an interesting contrast there. Yeah. yeah. And what, what the hell is that kid doing to your foot at the very beginning? I mean, you look down <laughs> yeah, and you look, there's yeah. that kid and it's like, what the heck? Hey, at least the Renala fight though, that first phase, the music is pretty awesome like the music and ambiance i think of that fight is is pretty cool but you're you're right uh i think for the most part it's it's kind of eh. <laughs> it's kind of a blip, yeah i mean really. as a melee character i burned through it really fast yeah i was i was like well hmm, okay yeah i did um, too i think i beat her like second or third attempt somewhere around there yeah um the godskin duo how did you guys <laughs> how did you guys fare against uh that fight that was uh, special. <laughs> Adam, you want to go first on that one? I'll say this special. Um, I still beat them, and it didn't take me too many attempts. But when the big one starts rolling, <laughs> that was just such a weird. It's probably definitely one of the weirdest Souls fights fought, uh, fights that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I don't know, it was just so weird <laughs> yeah for me for me the godskin duo was it wasn't very hard i think i got him in like two or three tries but uh it was definitely you know one of those focus fire on something and and get them down fast so you just have to deal with one it's probably the most carried i felt by the ashes like the ashes summons <laughs> like i i had a couple attempts that didn't go so well and then the attempt that I did beat it, neither of them looked at me like the entire time. And I was like, oh man, I just got hella carried by these, by these ashes. Running around. Oh, that's, um, you know, that was something that the game nerfed was the ash. Oh yeah. Was the, what was it? The, uh, the one where you summon the double of yourself. Oh yeah. The, had, the mimic one. Yeah. The mimic where yeah, the, it had right. everything that you had and it was like mm -hmm. using it super efficiently. Um, yeah, you're right. It helped to have that mimic uh, kind of, you know, draw I, attention. I, I did not use the mimic ashes too much. I think with that one I used, I don't remember the names of all the ashes, but I tended to use the ashes that had like three, four or five summons to, you know, as much distraction as possible. And I, I think I used one of those on, on that, but I had it leveled up a good bit and they were pretty tanky. So um, again, as a mage build, it gave me plenty of time to just melt them, you know, melt them down. But I remember when I beat it, I was like, man, I bet this would be so much harder, <laughs> um, you know, uh, a couple different ways. Like I felt I felt pretty lucky when I did beat them. So but yeah, I, I thought that one was a cool one, too. It's funny that you mentioned, Jay, that, you know, Marga is the one that people get stuck on. Well, I said like that. I, I beat him on my second playthrough of it. The first time I just like just try to see like what was I in, in store for here, right? And then I think he beat me with like two swipes, right? And then I was like, oh yeah, you know, I just got those summons, uh, the wolves. Why don't I try that? And then basically he was completely distracted by that. 
where I'm like, okay. And then I just allow me the opportunity to keep stabbing him in the back the entire time. And then if he turned around, I run away, <laughs> you know, I run, run away. And then the dogs would get him again. And then I go same, same thing, but I literally beat him on the second playthrough. I'm like, all right, if this is, you know, Elden Ring, here I am, you know, pound my chest, you know, puff it out a little bit. But uh, Adam, I remember playing Godric with you. And I just remember that was a lot. That was, I was, I mean, up into that second phase, that was, uh, <laughs> that was a fun fight in that second phase where he rips out the dragon head and puts it on his arm. I mean, I guess his abilities come from all the arms that he adds to himself, but he's got that little whirlwind attack and and uh, the flame attack. Anytime where like the fire takes up like the whole the whole stage, basically, you have to run really far away. The shield didn't do much protection from there, basically, but uh, uh, Adam was very much my distraction piece. He was my summon in that time there for uh, for yeah, he, on that one. He's he's a, he was a hard fight, and when I was playing by myself. He was definitely one of the harder fought, fought fights I had. I fought him numerous times before I eventually got through. Although I tried to fight him most of the, most of that time without armor, and he was one of the ones I got to a point where I did put armor on to fight him. Because I mean, I was running around in my undies and fighting him. <laughs> That's what I mean by no armor. Like I just literally run around in my character's undies and just fight. And I took down a lot of bosses like that, even beating them first time. And he was definitely one of the most challenging ones, I think, in that aspect. But I, at that time, since he's an earlier boss, I also was under leveled, and I again wasn't focusing on leveling up highly. So, but yeah, he's definitely, definitely was a fun fight. Well, I still remember though at the end of that part, the guy you see at the very front of the castle at the very end is kicking him in the head, and the very his corpse at the very end of the. <laughs> That yeah. that interaction was very funny. <laughs> Just, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy was very funny. Yeah, Godric was one that um, I attempted before I found any additional spells. And I attempted them probably 15 to 20 times with just the two starting astrologer spells. I I basically beelined to Stormvale Castle because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And then after failing there for like... I, like I said, probably about 20 tries. That's when I was like, okay, I have to go somewhere else. And I found the Weeping Peninsula and did a bunch of other stuff. And then when I went back to him, I think I got him in one or two. But it was also, I had seen the fight 20 times. Um, so I was I was pretty familiar. But after you know building my kit and having several different spells at, at uh, my disposable, at disposal and uh, leveling up several times, it was a little bit easier. But the first time I got to Godric, it yeah, he uh, he whooped my ass for a good while. <laughs> it was the, that was the first time you know I I managed to get Margaret down pretty quickly. Some of the little mini bosses around Stormvale Castle uh, fairly well, and then he was like the first boss where I was like, okay, I have to relocate. Everything else I was able to kind of push my way through, and then when I got there after enough tries, I was like, okay, I have to go find something else. And that was like the first time I did that, and then you know that's when i kind of found out how rewarding the exploration was and i kept finding just so many things and then after that i was a little bit more comfortable after you know if i failed out of boss five ten times so i was like all right i'll just come back and try this again later sometimes you get you know you get real determined and you're like no i will get this down but <laughs> that was that was kind of the first time i was like all right well i don't think i'm supposed to be here yet i need to go find something else to do and it was it was much easier when i came back 
That's one of the things that I, I, I'm going to give some credit to new players to Souls games for Elden Ring is that you get the option to do that and come back later. Whereas some of the er, like the other Souls 100%. games are a little bit more linear. You either beat that boss or you don't really move on, really. Yeah. So you have to then just go back and level grind until you can then just beat that boss and then move forward. Yeah, in Elden Ring, you, you have a bit more options. Yeah, the other ones, it seems like you either give up or get good. <laughs> Those are your only options. And <laughs> yes. in, in Elden Ring, you can, you know, you can screw off somewhere else and you know, generally, you know, find a lot more resources and maybe a couple more flash charges and you know, uh other things. Also, you know, you don't really feel like you have to uh grind runes as much in Elden Ring because you know, generally if you explore a lot, you get enough to level up. So it's not stopping in one place and farming forever, which in my limited experience. In other Souls games, I had to do that a good bit because I wasn't very good at them. But in Elden Ring, I didn't have to stop and grind in one area because just through exploring, I generally found enough to level up uh, a good bit, you know. So basically, yeah. the way you level up was just collecting all the orbs from like the skulls and I guess essentially the soul, you know, the souls you've taken basically it, and you cashed them in when you wanted to level up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I would try to, you know, section off pieces of the map and explore this area fully and do like a grid and try to find everything before moving on. And then once I started doing that, I was just racking in levels. Um, so when I actually went to progress with bosses, I, I was at an appropriate level. You know, I didn't have to just stop in one place and kill these same mobs for hours, <laughs> you know. Boy, I, I remember, uh, <clears throat> you know, it gives you a little, a little glimmer on in your map on the unexplored area uh, where the map is located for that area. I remember beelining it. I don't, I, I didn't even stop to find anything. I just beelined it right for the map just so that I can unlock that, that portion of the map so I could see where the heck it was. I was going, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I remember doing the same thing in a certain, a couple of sections and I didn't realize I found those pieces of the map just kind of haphazardly. It was after I found, maybe just maybe after the first one or two that I realized that they were on the map already, you know, that the only thing on the map before you pick up those map pieces is where those are at. And as, as soon as like it clicked, I was like, Oh, I can just, I can fill out this whole map. Like that's where they are. But I, I remember being really excited. Like when it clicked that that's how you, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And I did the same thing as, as soon as I saw my beeline to a few of them. <laughs> funny you mentioned that too because i think i learned that literally my last playthrough with adam that i've done a ton exploring in this land i have a bunch of the uh the save rest points but where the hell is the map is like look for that little tower there's always this a little blip tower mm -hmm. and then sure enough whew, you know big chunk of the map revealed to you because uh, mm -hmm. that was one of the things like when i was playing by myself just i was just looking for save points looking for uh summon statues because if you're playing co-op you can only Bring the person along with you if you find the summon statue for that general area. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one of the times we we're playing there and just Adam disappeared like the ghost from Beetlejuice. Like, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, I guess, you know, until I can figure out where this next one is, I know it's got to be near here. And it turns out it was in a mine below the ground that, you know, you can't, you can't advance at the co-op. You know, one drawback to playing with co-op is that it allows people to uh, come into your world uh, for what, what do you call that, Adam? That like, uh, or they come in where it's the not an NPC summon, but it's like, uh, they invade you, yeah, the invaders basically. Yeah, 
I hate that shit. Yeah. You know, leave me alone. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, I'm trying to play yeah. this game. I'm trying to learn. You're already clearly overpowered. Yeah. Go do something else. You know, stay away from my game. You know, that's yeah. a big that's a big subculture though of of Elden Ring is the PvP. Mm-hmm. Once everybody's done PvE and man, they they go to the next stage, and a lot of them is for a lot of for a lot of people, it's the PvP portion. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's always not knowing because you could like try to be fighting the boss multiple times, and then you try to keep getting to that boss, and like maybe on your fifth attempt to get back to that boss, you get invaded, and then they just destroy you, (laughs) or you're trying to get back to like finding your like your your lost souls or runes or whatever you want to call them throughout the games. They have different names throughout there. I call them souls because that's what I've always called them. But like you're trying to get back to that, and then boom, there's an invader ready to take you out. Yeah, they're all they're all like way better than you. <laughs> it never, it never. Yeah. For, like, yeah well, I'm oh, sorry. They were all better than me. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I, I wonder. I don't know if anyone can just you know, answer this because, because I'm playing with Adam and the game nerfs Adam for my world, right? I don't think it nerfs the person who's coming in from their world. Basically, I, I'm pretty confident. And if I'm wrong, I, I'm just speaking from the assumption of that like. I'm seeing the attack that me and Adam are doing this guy and we're doing barely any damage to the guy. And then he just pulls out like, I think there's one time where we really got this one guy in the last playthrough, Adam. And then he just pulls out like some magic spinning wand and it takes us both out with one head. And we're like, well, that was the end of this one. So, <laughs> so, yeah. By the time I got to Dark Souls 3, it like it was kind of like, it was fun to be invaded sometimes in Dark Souls 3. Like, Early when I was doing Demon Souls, because I've been invaded in Demon Souls like back in the day, and this is it sucks because yeah, they are always better than you. But by the time I was at Dark Souls three, I was kind of like, this is going to go 50-50. And there were times where like I was helping somebody else, and then they got invaded. And the funny thing is, is when you're invading somebody, you're either gonna you don't know how many people you're invading into. I find it hilarious when they're invading you, they're coming after you, and the next thing you know, your buddy is coming up behind them to smack them. That's happened to me in uh, in Dark Souls. I, I, I got invaded, and my friend was with me, and then he's coming up the steps, coming after me, not knowing that down around the corner, up those same steps he came up was my friend, and we just wrecked him. And then a similar situation happened, got invaded, and then this guy came in, like he looked and saw both of us, saw the gear we were wearing, and he literally just turned around and jumped off the cliff. So he <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I really liked. I really liked the the, the subculture of, of YouTubers and uh, TikTokers that uh, you know kind of cosplay the PvP. Like they had the Ninja Turtles. They're all they were all green and they had you know the the different headband colored headbands and they were running around doing PvP and and they had Jesus Christ he was completely holy and he, yeah, <laughs> he yeah, just I wrecking see. people and then you had like the Sonic the Hedgehog and and he was just spinning to win you know it was, the Jesus build is fun. hilarious I'll, <laughs> it's have hilarious. To, I'll find the link on YouTube and I'll share it in uh, on the, our Twitter thread. There's this one video that I found hilarious. It was, at, it was cosplay at a Comic-Con. Someone was dressed up as Solaire, 
And it basically was going up against like Deadpool and all these people. And he just kept rolling around on the ground as they were fighting. <laughs> it was one of the funniest things. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, even the one thing about, you know, the PVP also is that even if you're not playing co-op, you could turn it off. So, so there actually is no real invasions. But there still are fake. There's NPC invasions still in the game. That was something I learned while exploring the East, where I'm like, oh, sweet, all right, I'm going to go this way, this way, and then Elson comes running right out after you, no matter what. You, it's not just a random, he's, it's, he's, it's an NPC. They're, they're there in the game. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's meant to be in there, even if you're not going to play online. So There's, there's quite and, a few of those in the, in that game. There's probably, a, probably half a dozen of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they I like those fights. I thought they were a good little variety. You know, I I thought it it added a, a little bit of variety. They they all felt a little different than the than the main bosses. You know, they all moved a little smarter. They had different kind of you know tarnished builds and stuff. Uh, so I you know I I like those fights. I thought they were a cool little splash of variety for sure. I think it was also like a way to show you maybe a different build you might not be using, and you're seeing how they're fighting, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. like kind of doing PvP, but it's against the computer. But like those NPCs, those like invasion, like those fake invaders were also in earlier Souls games. And the ones in the earlier Souls games, I believe, were sort of like tied to the story. I believe there's one of them that it, it's a it's a normal NPC you run across, and I think if you don't do something, they turn into one of those. And then there's another one um, that you fight going up against another boss in Dark Souls that is like their protector or their guardian knight that is a protector of the boss you're headed after. So they were a little bit more story driven in like, at least in the dark souls games. I don't know if they have much of a story purpose in Elden ring. I would say probably not. Right. One of the, one of the NPCs (laughs) that I did that I, uh, I felt probably could have been better. Was it the dung eater? (laughs) Oh yeah, <laughs> the dung eater. <laughs> the dung eater. He's just had the oh, small yeah. little storyline in in the in the game, and you know, my second playthrough, yeah. I made sure that I that I did it. You know, I made sure that I did the the the, the big dung eater or whatever it is, the evil dung eater uh, storyline, and it just wasn't it wasn't uh, as as more as detailed as the other ones, I guess. Sure. There's a there's an actual like a, 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 a something in the game that we didn't even discuss or cover uh, is there is a, a factor in certain boss fights that especially uh, the one I'm thinking about the most is I'm looking at these this list of bosses because this is a boss another boss I got stuck on for a little while the Crucible Knight Ordovis mm. when you fight him and his oh, companion yes they are brutal. And I kept saying this throughout the stream, and now that I'm reading this, this confirms what my theory was that entire fight, because I kept saying this. And it says right here, they hit extremely hard. Both enemies share a trigger to attack as soon as you try to heal or use something, making spacey in the small arena particularly frustrating. I kept saying that throughout stream. This confirms what I've been saying the whole time, Every time I tried to heal, they knew to hit you. Every time I tried to do, like do so, like do it all, especially the one on the horse, I forget his name. But every time I tried to use that item, hit me with fire. Just 
the second it went this mm-hmm. fire. Like it didn't matter what they were about to do. The second you healed, they they were triggered to attack you immediately. I remember thinking one of the Godskin fights was the same way. Um, and I, I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, that is a, an interesting point. And it definitely adds a level of frustration. Without Gideon, so Gideon, the all-knowing, if you guys remember that fight, can be easy or it can be one of the hardest fights in the game, depending on what you do in the world and what you get. I remember my first playthrough, I tried to be as thorough as I possibly could, you know, get as get as much stuff as I possibly could. That ended mm. up be- making that boss fight like super hard. The second playthrough, it was a, it was a cakewalk. But uh, I remember reading that it scales with what you do in the in the world and what you the information you oh, give. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, I did not I did not know that. I don't remember how I how I fared with that one. That yeah, I, I think it, I think when you yeah. when you talk with him, he asks for information. You give him that information, and that makes that boss fight harder later in the game so uh, if you, if yeah, you want to refrain good. from you want to refrain from giving them information so that that boss fight is just it's a cakewalk that is very interesting yeah neat mechanic yeah jay i know i put that list for fun facts because we were uh we were talking previously if you have still some like some interesting ones that you want to read off no i mean the I found it interesting that the first the first trophy, the first boss trophy, you know, it's like 50.2% of players got that trophy. So that means, you know, 49.8 gave up on the game and didn't play it again. <laughs> hey, but they just announced 20 million purchases of, of uh, Elden Ring. So, yeah. <laughs> So take that wow. in consideration. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm I'm assuming that's across all you know platforms, all yeah. platforms. But yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we wrap this up, does anyone have any final overall thoughts to say about this game? I got something. Um, I think it's uh, really interesting how easy that they make it to miss like very like integral mechanics in the in the game two things in particular uh one um the ashes you can completely miss the ability to summon the ashes and there are so many in the game you have to be in the right spot at the right time without too many spoilers to you know even get the ability to to get those and it's really easy to miss i mean you can get really far into the game without even you know really having the ability to summon those which i i think is just really interesting and then the other one is you know there's one grace that you have to hit to get the ability to level up and to get your mount and i've watched a new player walk up to that grace and you can discover it you can just you know you walk to a grace and you hit it you discover it and then you have to hit it again to actually rest at that grace so you can find the the one grace that you need to be able to level up and get the summon you can walk up to it and discover it and then just walk away and not realize that you have to rest there to get the ability to use your mount. So and I, was bit, level up. I was bit I was a new a player. Times. Yeah, I watched a new player who was they played for probably two or three hours before they found that grace. And then they eventually found it. And I was like, yes. They walked up to it, they discovered it, and then they continued on. And I was like, um, oh, just hit it again. And um, then you can that level happened up. to me. 
That was just one of those parts where I was like, no, we're just going to keep, you know, getting yeah, our areas. Like, oh, I discovered this grace. That's great. Let me move on. I don't need to rest right now. I have full HP and everything. No, no reason to. No problem. And it's so, it's obviously game changing. It's probably the most game changing grace in the game. And you can just not know that you need to hit it again. And believe me, yeah, believe me, like I said, I'm, I'm doing this cool. and I'm like, where the frick is this horse? You know, yeah, like, how do I level <laughs> up? I see people a hundred percent. And you see, like, yeah. you see people within five minutes of the game, riding their horse, doing double <laughs> yeah. jumps and everything. It, Here yeah. I am. And new players, this land basically everywhere just walking right around and grab it yeah 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 yep. i know i can <laughs> relate i can relate yeah and i had one other one other really quick thing as somebody that played the game completely blind i would say to new players if you want to know the lore of the game but you're having trouble piecing it together one reading every single item you know you can look at the item details and it tells you the stats and and what the item is and then you know there's a way to toggle and you know there's a lot of lore on each item i missed that for a while i, I literally in the menu just didn't realize that you could toggle over to a different screen so you know that's really important i would also say if you're playing it blind and you want to know more about the lore just watch a video <laughs> honestly you you know there's a lot of really good videos out there that give you a lot of lore that don't really take away from the game. They don't give you mechanics. They don't spoil fights and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I waited until I finished the game to watch a lot of the lore. And part of me kind of wishes that I watched some lore videos as I played. I would have understood what was happening a lot more. Um, and I think there's a lot of good YouTubers out there that do a, a great job of just focusing on the lore and don't spoil other parts of the, of the game, you know? So just something to consider. I agree with that because I actually did the I I actually did that with the you know the first Dark Souls, and that's why I think like out of all the Souls games, Dark Souls One still to me is my favorite Souls game because of the lore, because of the bosses, and because I did do that. Watch lore videos, watch what was going on with the different bosses, and like things like that as far as like how they got there and what they're trying to do and. I also love that Dark Souls 3 has some things that are connected from that, which, I mean, I don't really want to spoil if anyone of you want to uh, go back and play the old Dark Souls games. I do say watch those videos and you'll get to understand some of that. So I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. So where, where would you, where would this game rank in your, in your all-time list? For, for all-time of all uh, games, uh, or, sauce, or, sauce, it probably like it's probably well low on yours, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's but, it's right behind Bloodborne though for me. I'll, I'll oh, tell you that. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, for, for, uh, like I said, I, I'll say this: I like Bloodborne, but it until I knew how to play the game, I was having a miserable time with it. Right, so I imagine Elden Ring is probably the same exact thing, and I'm not having a miserable time with Elden Ring. It's just I'm one of those people. I guess it's like. I don't know if it's anxiety is the correct term, and maybe it is for this. I hate not knowing where to go. Like I can, I can stomach brutally hard games, but if I know where I'm going, there's nowhere where because like I will then grind. I will find it out. Not knowing where to go is like the like I'm scared because I'm lost in this world, and everything's hard. You know, so at least I at least I know 
where to go when I was doing that. And eventually, over time, you learn how to play the game, right? So I know I meant this comparison earlier about the IPAs. I've had one or two good IPAs in my life, right? I've had one or two. Not all of them are terrible. The majority are, but not <laughs> But what's it called. I've had an orange cream one, orange creamsicle. Fantastic IPA. But, you know, that's the best way I can describe it. So I'll, I'll let you guys discuss the rest since you are uh, uh, all big fans of Elden Ring. I would say, yeah, that, I mean, I, I understand new players coming in and saying, okay, yes, I, I mean, you don't know where to go. And there were moments that I didn't even know where the heck I was going. I was just running around. I'm like, where to go? There's certain areas that is very easy to miss. And it's like you have to go like down under a cave and up along the side and then all the way up to get to the area. And there is no other way up there. So sometimes trying to figure out how to get to those areas is frustrating because you can't get there any other way. And then how are you supposed to know that you, it looks like you can go on the map, looks like you can go up this way, but how are you supposed to know you got to go all the way down to the bottom of the valley, go up around these rocks, go in through a cave and then run all like, there's just so many words. I'm the one I'm talking about the most is like the, the fire volcano area in the upper part, getting up there. I did not know how to do it. As I was playing, I actually asked one of my viewers while I was streaming. I'm like, just guide me. Just get me there, please. <laughs> I don't know how to get there. <laughs> sure. yeah. But I agree. In in like you said, in, in when you don't when you're like in this world, you're like you're like alone and scared because everything will kill you. And you don't in that's the where I guess where the difference is because where you I compare it to Zelda to where it's the same thing in some of the Zelda games. I replayed Wind Waker HD and there were so many times I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. What the hell am I supposed to do? And same with like, you know, Oracle of Ages, Seasons, the older Zelda games, same thing. They never held your hand or exactly told you what to do or where to go. You can run around for hours before you ever figure out what you were supposed to do, which was talk to this one person in this one town that you passed by. Like Elden Ring is kind of like that, but again, it also, well, everything's out to kill you. <laughs> it's more like, okay, well, you can run around and not, like everything's out to kill you, but it's not as hard <laughs> and frustrating. <laughs> sure. Yeah, ranking Elden Ring is, is tough because I kind of go back and forth with myself. I've, I've kind of thought through this before where I had a lot of fun with the game, but I enjoy rich narrative so much and yes that is there in Elden Ring but you know it was really hard to find for a first time player you know I, I, I've I played so many RPGs where you know I fought back tears or just let them go you, you know where they're, they're that impactful and the narrative just is is really is really deep and uh, you know really hits you really hard and I never felt that with Elden Ring I, I that being said I still had a ton of fun with it but if I if I really thought about it, it would probably be probably not make my top 10. I, I mean, it's, it, it, I still had a lot of fun with it, but there's so many other, you know, for me, RPGs that are, you know, the stories are so memorable um, that it's hard for me to put Elden Ring up there with it, but then I'm also at odds because I had a ton of fun with it. <laughs> you know, So it's kind of, it's kind of hard for me to, to rank in that sense. You know, it's definitely up there for me, but um, I, I don't know that it would go, you know, in, in my top 10 overall. Yeah. Well, I first, I didn't even say mine at all. So like for me too, it doesn't go into my top 10 uh, at all because like Zelda, I talk about Zelda a lot because Zelda is my favorite franchise overall. And 
Elden Ring isn't even my favorite Souls game. So like it wouldn't even it's like so it would even be lower in this if we were just going by my favorite Souls games, it's actually even lower. Again, I had a ton of fun. I absolutely love the game. I'm glad you're playing through it, Sauce, and I'm 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 enjoying now I'm playing it more co-op with you and I'm having a ton of fun with it. It's kind of like Skyrim. You can just jump in there, run around and do whatever you want and just have fun with it. Do I think Skyrim's the best game in the world? Maybe, maybe not. It still has like has some outdated gameplay at this point, but it's still fun. And it's just an open world to to enjoy it. But yeah, it's definitely not in my top 10. It's probably not even in my top 50. But <laughs> but I mean, you can see right here behind me with all the games. I mean, how am I supposed to put Elden Ring in my top 10 of everything that's here? <laughs> well, I mean, I have at one point in time, I had, you know, 4,000 plus games, physical games and 70 plus consoles. <laughs> and I actually placed Elden Ring in my top 10. Um, it may not be the best Souls game. Uh, you know, I, I kind of waft between Bloodborne and, and Elden Ring. And then, you know, playing the Demon Souls remaster or remake uh, really got me back into Demon Souls again. But yeah, I probably I probably rank it in my top 10. Is it in my top five? That just depends on my mood uh, with with Bloodborne <laughs> because Bloodborne is, is on my top five. And I think I've got it on my, on my TikTok. you know, I did a, you know, my, my top 10 of all time. And uh, you know, I've got Elden Ring right behind or right in front of Bloodborne, but depending on my mood, you know, it just, uh, I, I would really like to see uh, a Bloodborne in a kind of an Elden done in an Elden Ring kind of uh scope you know what i mean that would that to me would be like the dream game but it, it ranks it ranks up there for me and you know i've you know I, I love chrono trigger you know i love uh you know zelda zelda a link to the past you know i love all those games but um as far as like scope and lore and atmosphere you know elden ring uh, scratch that itch for me and it's in my top 10 yeah see for me um i would probably say in the probably in the past i would say just decade because i don't want to go too far back because i don't have to add more to this list i would probably say in the past decade or so i would probably say my top three games would be witcher 3 assassin's creed odyssey and dark souls 3 those would probably, and maybe even Bloodborne would be the, the fourth. Bloodborne's high up there too, because I absolutely love Bloodborne. I have the collector's box set on my shelf. I love that. <laughs> I, I think all of us love Bloodborne. <laughs> it seems like yeah. we, we all just love that game. It's, it's never uh, played it. <laughs> oh, really? You never played <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, never played it. Oh, my goodness. Good thing it's like so I, 10 bucks. Yeah, I have I have said after finishing Elden Ring, I I am definitely itching for new Souls experiences. That being said, I I, I went back and forth on uh, whether I was going to play Dark Souls three or Bloodborne next, and I landed on Dark Souls three. I bought it. I plan on playing it soon, and then after that, I am going to play Bloodborne. So I a hundred percent going to. I was never really committed to finishing or really getting into FromSoft. 
Elden Ring definitely got me there. I had, I had a great time with it. And uh, yeah, I will play I will play Bloodborne fairly soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker for Lovecraftian horror. And, uh, you know, Bloodborne really scratched that itch. But, uh, you know, again, depending on the day, those, those two might swap. I say for new Souls players, and this is going to go out to anyone who's in those new Souls players as far as current and you haven't played one yet. I say Elden Ring and Bloodborne are probably the two top ones to start with now that you have a whole like list of Souls games to start with. I can understand if you like started off in Demon Souls and you got to see the progression, you got to you had to learn the hard way. Now that people have a collection of Souls games, you don't have to learn the hard way. I've heard so many people say that they they couldn't do any Dark Souls. They just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. They got into Bloodborne the second they learned how to dodge roll because Bloodborne forces you to dodge and play differently than the way the Souls games did. To where Souls games, you're always just trying to block. You're just trying to block, trying, and you're just constantly getting wrecked. But the second you start learning a different aspect on how to play, like you, like Bloodborne would teach you, and now even Elden Ring, you go back to those older Souls games, and you're, it's going to click for you. You're going to be like, ah... I'll just dodge. I'll just do this. I'll just do what I did in Bloodborne. I'll just do this. So I think it can go hand in hand. If you want a big open world game, I would say start with Elden Ring. If you want to go with something maybe a little bit less, you know, as massive as far as like world, then maybe start with Bloodborne. But I would say those two would be the top two and then maybe trickle down to like Dark Souls 3 and then just I work your way back. I would actually say, you know, I would agree with you in, in the fact that Elden Ring... To me, Elden Ring, the entrance bar, the entrance bar to Elden Ring is significantly lower than, say, uh, even Bloodborne. Uh, we we saw we saw this this last year, just in an, uh, in an explosion of like streamers, uh, casual what we would normally call a casual casual players hop into this hardcore. Uh, it's hard this hardcore genre that we call soul soulsborn and a lot of people's first soulsborn game will be elden ring and you know that's like i think elden ring is a good entrance to that genre i like to reiterate march's game of the month will be mario march madness and that means the cartridge club will be playing the super mario brothers trilogy for the nintendo entertainment system if you're playing along or just want to discuss the games with us, make sure to let us know by using the hashtag Cartridge Club on whatever social media platform you frequent. For those of you who want to get a head start on April's Game of the Month, the Cartridge Club will be playing the original Tomb Raider. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to us. We're always looking forward to having new community members on to talk about the games they love. To those of you interested in supporting the club beyond a review on the podcast app of your choice, I'd like to mention that the club is entirely funded by pledges made from members of our community. We are extremely grateful to those supporters. And if you're interested in becoming one of them, please look at how you can do so at patreon.com forward slash cartridge club. Well, that's the show, everyone. So before I go, I'd like to thank our guests for being here. Uh, Adam, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitch. I uh, go by Atomic Bomb 1980 on all platforms. Thanks for being here and helping us out. Jay, where can we find you online? Yeah, you can 
find me on Twitch, jhar 29 um, You can get my socials. Uh, Twitter, be real, Jesse Hauer. Um, and TikTok, it'd just be Jesse Hauer. Thanks. Cardboard, where can we find you online? Uh, yeah, Twitch and Twitter uh, primarily. I am on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok as well, but definitely more active on Twitch and Twitter and Cardboard Deer everywhere. Perfect. Thanks for Thank you guys for all helping me out here. As for myself, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram with the handle of It's Rocket Sauce. I'm also a part of the Cartridge Club's Discord. You can find me on there. Um, but that's mostly where you can find me online. With that being said, that's the show, everyone. And see you, see you tonight. <laughs>